Captain's Log, Stardate 73537.5. Lieutenant Commander Christofferson is on an away mission at Deneb 4 at a convenient time as we await a distinguished guest. Starfleet has sent Admiral George to Lone Star Station for what should be a pleasant and cordial visit. This episode of These Are the Voyages is dedicated to Darmok and Jalad on the ocean. Hello and welcome back to These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, I'm Captain Chase McKinney, and today we have um, an admiral joining us here at Lone Star Station. But first, before we we uh, get to know the, the, the admiral and, and start to meet with him, how are you guys feeling about Star Trek Picard so far? Uh, we just had the series premiere uh, not too long ago, just a few short days ago, and we're we're about to go into, uh, you know, even more. We're, we're one episode in, and we got nine more to go on this epic ride. And uh, there's going to be the, more of these reaction videos, uh, not videos, uh, reaction episodes. They'll be dropping on the podcast. They might end up taking up uh, more of the, the, the TRTV news segment of it uh, however I'm I'm up for for whatever I'm, I'm just happy to talk Star Trek and and see where it takes me and there you might have noticed that there was a brief break in in doing a TRTV news recently uh, or semi recently uh, at the time of listening to this a little over a week ago uh, had some company in that uh, that required a lot of prep for uh, you know meals and, and food and whatnot and uh, from another fandom that I'm a big fan of and that is with uh, Lord of the Rings so shout out to my good friends um, Ez and Lane for uh, coming all the way down from the Shire of America coming from Ohio down to the Rohan of America here in here in Texas so I know we're crossing fandoms right now but it meant so much to have them uh, come down and and spend some time uh, just hanging out and having a good time as well as the the beautiful people that came in um, to, to have that party as well we had some very delicious food we had some some brisket we had some potato salad some macaroni and cheese uh, some roasted corn slash smoked corn and um, just a bunch of stuff I had some good conversation around the campfire and I know this isn't a Lord of the Rings podcast guys but you know there's an, always an opportunity for you to spend time with those that are are closest to you, that that you hold in reg- high regard, that you know those fr- those friendships, and I'm hoping that what we're doing here with this particular podcast is creating good positive relationships that we can have with one another, uh, but whether it's Star Trek or not, okay. So I mean, we, we all have our our fandoms, uh, our main fandoms, and our our side fandoms and stuff like that. I mean. Just listening to this show, you guys know that that Star Trek is obviously, I would at least I would hope it'd be obviously, uh, Star Trek is my main fandom. Uh, but then, of course, there's always you know Lord of the Rings, there's uh, Star Wars, there's you know all sorts of different different stuff. You know Narnia and C.S. Lewis and and things like that. And if there are people in Harry Potter, if there are people that you know that uh, that that means something to you, let me let me just say this you know we're at the start of a new year 
We're about to close out the first month. And I want to to encourage you, maybe even challenge you, that if you haven't told someone that you've met maybe online or that maybe you've known for a very long time that that they mean something to you, that you care about them and that you hold them in high regard, give them a call, okay? Or write them a letter. Anyone can do a text message. Anyone can do a Facebook message. Now, I realize that some people might live on different continents or countries or states, but, you know, do something for them to, to communicate to them that, that you, you care about them and, and uh, stuff like that. So there's always a perfect opportunity to do that, and that perfect opportunity is right now. Now, I know I'm sounding kind of sappy with you guys, but uh, it, w- it was just a very beautiful, beautiful time here at uh, the Lone Star Station here at uh, what we call the, the, the Golden Hall, the, the Rohan of Texas. And it, it, was just, it was just fantastic. And I'm already missing them. I've been missing them and uh, looking forward to hopefully reconnecting with uh, some, if not all of them, um, over the next few months to a year uh, and hopefully do it again. And it'd be really fun. I'd love to do some kind of away mission with uh, you guys that are listening. So if we did some kind of away mission together, I know that when I was first dreaming this podcast up, there was talk of doing something, you know, some kind of, I don't know, going to a, a convention uh, or like an STLV kind of thing. And uh, whether STLV is going to always be in Las Vegas or not, there's, uh, I think I've been hearing that. The contract is about to be up uh, with the Rio uh, in Las Vegas, so they're they're I think they're actively looking for a new home for the start main Star Trek convention put on by Creation. So uh, if it does end up in Dallas, uh, which would be a great place, it's kind of central to a certain extent for both coasts, and uh, pretty much every airline can fly in and out of of Dallas Fort Worth International pretty easily. So. It'd be, it'd be kind of neat to have it here in, in Dallas, uh, here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area uh, near Lone Star Station. So that's kind of just a, a ramble at this point. But, uh, you know, we've we've had a reaction episode. Uh, we've had some TRTV news stuff that's uh, coming out or about to come out and, you know, we'll be cranking out and stuff like that. And just let us know what you think of this stuff and... Uh, you know, leave us a comment or something like that, and let's see, you know, where this this goes and like what people we can bring on board to, you know, enjoy the show and to be connected to the show and uh, just building up a, a community of really good people. What we, we we have, and let me tell you guys about this. Our Facebook group is phenomenal. We have some very fun and positive, great folks that are are at um, our Facebook group. And if you're not already on there, then what are you doing, man? You need to get on there. I mean, that's where where the conversation continues. And I know I'm going to probably be saying that at the end of the show as well, but it's true. We have some wonderful, wonderful people that are are on there, and we we post stuff and update stuff um, fairly regularly in there. And you never know. You might have a new best friend that might be just hanging out there that you haven't even met yet. So uh, make sure you check it out and uh, go from there. So, you know, we are just a few days after Star Trek Picard, and uh, I'm not going to get into it, but man, okay, man, okay, there's, we're only one episode into this. That's it, just one episode, and, you know, what the heck is going to happen, you know, with these next 
nine episodes. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, just nine more episodes. And the cool thing is, and we've talked about this on a recent episode of TRTV News, but we already know that Picard season two is going to happen and Discovery season four is going to happen. And there may or may not be some kind of connection between, you know, what we see in, in a Picard season one and Discovery season three. Uh, according to Alex Kurtzman. So, well, that is uh, some of that. Uh, for any further news and, and reactions, make sure you listen to our our news um, episodes. That we do our best, uh, you know, you know, scheduling conflict um, accepting uh, to get them out every Friday. Now, I think some of you are kind of were kind of wondering like when they are supposed to post. And here's the thing that I've kind of decided to do. So if, let's say, with, with the TRTV news, it's typically going to post uh, every Friday, like I was saying. So let's say that we have a regular episode, kind of like this one, um, but it, it were to post on a Friday. So the main episode is definitely going to post at 7 a.m. On, on whatever day, okay? So if it's a Friday, it's going to be there at 7 a.m. So like I said, if it... If it does land on a Friday, the TRTV News episode will air in the, um, the evening. So that's when that's going to drop. That way, um, you're getting some time to, if you want to listen to the episode that day, um, you can listen to it that day, that afternoon, and then you'll still have some more content um, towards the evening. So uh, just trying to you know be strategic about that and also kind of spread it out as well. And... With the reaction episodes, we're going to try and get those out uh, Fridays or Saturdays following the episode, but definitely by the end of the weekend. We're kind of working with schedules here, so uh, it's not going to always be perfect, but we're definitely going to aim to get reaction episodes out within uh, two to three days for sure of uh, of Star Trek Picard uh, premiering. And and we may carry that out with uh, Discovery and Lower Decks and any other future Star Trek uh, type of show that's going to be coming out with CBS All Access and talking about it. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe there's going to eventually be one with Nickelodeon. But with uh, with that, it's either going to be on Nickelodeon or it's going to be on CBS All Access. But that that remains to be seen. I think that's what's being called the uh, the, the Prodigy, Star Trek Prodigy or, or something right now. Uh, with with that particular show, so we'll we'll see how it pans out. We'll see what happens, and you know, just we're just going to enjoy it. I, I love the fact that we're getting more and more Star Trek. Is uh, you know, at at this time, we've been in a drought, so to speak, for a while. I mean, yes, we've had Discovery since 2017, but you know, the 1990s, the late 80s, and 1990s were just riddled with Star Trek. It was it was just a, a wonderful time to be a Star Trek fan. Uh, in terms of, you know, we got had the original series cast making movies throughout the 80s and into the um, early part of the 1990s. Uh, we had Next Generation um, doing their run from 87 to 94, and then 94 to 2002. They were making movies. And all along the way, we also had Deep Space Nine and Voyager in uh, 1993 and 1995, respectively, as well as the last live-action Star Trek show, uh, which was... Uh, Star Trek Enterprise from 2001 to 2005, and and that was pretty much it. I mean, yes, we had the 
the movies that J.J. Abrams put out in 2009 and such. But this is like I'm just rambling at this point. It's it's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time to be a Star Trek fan. And I'm pretty jazzed about it. I hope you guys are, too. And um, if you haven't sent in your Trek story, please do or, or send in some reactions. Um, I mean, I mean, like we, we have the the email, we have the Facebook group, we have uh, the, the, the phone numbers and stuff like that, that. You can use to get in contact with us. Follow us um, on on the stuff. And uh, that way we can just connect and, you know, get to get better acquainted with each other. So I hope you guys um, are buckled in and uh, ready to just enjoy another friendly conversation uh, with the Admiral that um, I was talking about. Uh, I mentioned him on a recent um, episode talking about Darmok uh, whenever we were doing the uh, Best of Picard episodes. Um, and... Um, the man, the myth, the legend, um, an admiral in my book. Uh, it's my uncle Don, Don George. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, it's good to be here, Chase. I'm really uh, pleased that you uh, allowed me to come on your podcast. I hope we can have a great voyage conversation here today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure we will. Um, so I was, I was mentioning in the last episode, um, maybe even an episode before that, if I, I don't even remember, but just talking about how... Um, you're like really the only one that I'm aware of in the family that will like really talk Star Trek and nerd out with me uh, <laughs> whenever we're like at family gatherings in Ohio or or whatever. Um, so that, that's pretty cool. And that you gave me uh, two of your your ships that you made, the original Enterprise and so Kirk's original Enterprise and uh, Picard's um, Enterprise, the 1701D. Yeah, those were really fun to, to build. You know, I am kind of a nerdy Trekkie, even for an old guy. But, uh, yeah, I did like it. I liked, I started, of course, with the original. Um, I didn't actually start watching Star Trek until I was about your age, in my 20s, maybe. Okay. Maybe a little sooner. Um, I knew it was there in the 60s, but I was, I really grew up in the 60s. So it was, I was like a little kid, you know, 10, 8, 9, 10 years old. Wasn't really into it yet. Later on, um, I started catching uh, uh, the original series, and I probably watched every. I know I've watched every episode probably a dozen times each by now, at, at least because they only went for three years. It was supposed to be a five-year mission, but it lasted only three years. And I don't think the producers of that show realized what they had because you see what happened to it oh, now. Yeah. You know, only three years on television, but now it's huge. Yeah, later. Yeah, um, started in September 8th of 1966 was when it um, uh, premiered and and whatnot. And um, when when you look at like the history of Star Trek, um, I don't know if you were aware of this, uh, or at least to the extent of of like the genesis of it. Um, you just said that you were more my age, like in your 20s or 30s, before you started watching it. But did you know the hand that Lucille Ball played in actually getting Star Trek? Um, on screen. Oh, please enlighten me. I do not. I, I read the book that uh, about uh, Shatner's biography, and I, since you mentioned it, I know that she did have something to do with it, but I can't remember the details. Please enlighten me. So some of the um, the studios that, that Gene Roddenberry was kind of shopping around it with were just kind of turning them down here and there, and um, it was Desi Lu 
um, like so Lucille Ball's it. yeah the production company that, that it. really now, now you jog my memory that yeah. was it yep cool yeah so the fact that that you know I love Lucy uh, is the one that pretty much gave Star Trek a, a shot was was pretty cool yeah so um, well um, I guess maybe as a joke am I still on your will to get all your Star Trek stuff yes of course <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no one else that's really interested in it. And okay. I know that you are, and I, you know, I, I have. I should have brought it with me. I have a uh, 1701D uh, technical manual. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, it explains all of the, how the entire ship works. Okay, even goes into the theoretical transporter and and holodecks, and yeah. you know, explains how they're supposed to work, even though they don't exist yet. But right. Yeah, that I should have brought that with me this time. Actually, there's a um, a component in uh, the transporter pad. Uh, it's called um, a Heisenberg compensator. compensator. Right. Yeah, and it's it goes back to like the whole Heisenberg uh, concept, which is very theoretical. So the fact that they just took something very theoretical that probably can never happen and made it a vital part of the the transporter pad is pretty stinking cool. Yeah, they tried to use as much stuff, as much real things, real stuff. Uh, at least theoretical real stuff, if you mm-hmm. want to say anything theoretical is real. Do you know what I mean? They tried to use a lot of real things to produce, you know, stuff that doesn't exist yet. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I'd kind of like to hear, um, like, your Trek story. So, um, kind of, you, you kind of started alluding to it a little bit. But, you know, how'd you, how did you get acquainted with Star Trek? And, you know, what was your first series? What did you like about it? And what kind of made you stay when it comes to, to Star Trek? Well, we have to go back 30 years at least on this or more. So back then I was, uh, well, young. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had these huge dreams about, you know, space. And, and I liked sci-fi as it was, but... Before Star Trek, sci-fi consisted of, of stuff like uh, uh, the Twilight Zone. You know, you just there just wasn't much. And Buck Rogers, which, yeah, if you like flares on the back of a little metal tube, mm-hmm. you'd be all right. But <laughs> Star Trek was the first one that actually captured my imagination that space travel was, it, it seemed possible. Mm-hmm. It seemed real. Uh, like I said, I, in 66, I was only nine years old, so I wasn't into it then. But later on, uh, when I it come up on television, if I'd be channel surfing all three channels that were on the TV at the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, I just started watching. I said, wait a minute, this, this is cool. This, this is uh, something you could almost believe. You, know, you, you could believe. It's not the, the hokey stuff that you'd seen before that. And... Uh, uh, yeah, I st- and the characters were good. It took a while to develop them, as it does with all shows. You know, in the beginning, in some of the early episodes, I remember how Spock was rather emotional. You know, mm-hmm. in some of the very first, <coughs> excuse me, very first episodes. And then, you know, as it as it progressed and as it moved on, he he settled down into the more of the Spock that we know, and uh, the humor. Between um, Spock and McCoy, uh, I thought that was pretty cool. They had a real love-hate relationship. <laughs> you know, they got along okay, but McCoy was always really uh, 
always angry with Spock about his not having any emotions, you know. You're out of your Vulcan mind? Yeah, you're out of your Vulcan mind. You red, you green-blooded, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Calling him all kinds of names. and But, uh, yeah, and then, you know, once you get to really start watching it, in my case, I watched it alone because I was the only nerd in the family. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, and then it, it gets you. It, you get hooked on it, and you start looking forward to the next episode. Of course, by the time I was watching it, they were reruns, so I could watch two or three of them in a row okay. on television, or at least one every day, where, where during the 60s it was once a week, like any other program. Okay. So, yeah, it got a, it got a, a you know, just really piqued my interest. And then the next generation, of course, came out, and uh, I started watching that as well. And actually, I didn't like that at first. You didn't like Next Gen at first? Not at first, because it, it was it, it had more technology. You had your hollow deck then, and you could hit warp nine on a good day. I think uh, six or seven was pushing the old Enterprise. And mm-hmm. uh, but anyway, uh, I stuck with the original for for a while, and then. Uh, I finally gave uh, Next Generation a shot and started watching it. I think I liked, I think the, sh- the guy that made the Next Generation for me was probably Commander Data, Okay. believe it or not. Uh, it was fun watching him turn, develop into the character that he became later on in the series because at the beginning he was real regimented and didn't understand a lot of things. Sure. You know? And uh, how he was a, a learning machine, and uh, towards the end, seemed more human than some of the humans. You know, so, in many cases. So, this is kind of um, a debate of some kind when it comes to Lieutenant Commander Data, and and the character, his character on the show, that you hear him state, "I'm an android. I have no emotions." Or, or some variation of that, right, throughout the seven seasons that they were on television, going boldly where no one has gone before. So, what do you think? They manipulated his character so that you didn't believe him when he said that. You know, there were too many episodes where he did things that an emotional person would do. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of an episode um, where the, the collector guy, that collected things, and he stole data and collected, has put mm-hmm. it, added into his collection. Mm-hmm. The, the the very end of the program, data standing there pointing his gun at his mm-hmm. phaser at him, and he gets transported right at that moment. Mm-hmm. But when he gets back to the Enterprise, Commander Riker says that your phaser was being discharged at the time that they transported him, right. so he was actually going to shoot this guy that had stolen him, which was I think was an emotional thing to do oh yeah you know that was uh, season 3 episode 20 something called The Most Toys and it had um, uh, a brilliant actor named uh, Saul uh, Rubinick and you can see him in, in a host of different guest appearances in the uh, late 80s and ni- in early 90s and even up into the early 2000s uh, just doing different things uh, but yeah that was that was a very uh, interesting and very powerful episode uh, for data uh, I just watching him watching Brent Spiner portray data you you see you see this I, I mean I've seen different clips of, of him in Night Court and him doing like these comedic 
things on night court. And then you see him doing that, and then you see him playing the straight man, basically, in in next gen, and it's just it's night and day. But like the the whole um, I have no emotions. You know, one episode you have him where he's he's highly emotional, um, or moderately emotional, perhaps, and then like the next episode, it's like they forgot what they wrote in the previous episode <laughs> of like I'm an android, I have no emotions. Well, I think when if it's fair, you you tell me if it's fair to say, does he show emotions in some episodes, or he just, does he really just bring out our emotions? That's that's you a fair I mean? question. That's, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, there is emotion, or there's emotion. There's um, episodes where Data uh, could actually bring bring tears to mm-hmm. you, you know, because he's being so more human than he really thinks he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's, he's yeah. He is always saying, "I'm just an android." Uh, what was the episode where he said that to? Oh, that yeah, he said that to the that guy that mm-hmm. kidnapped him at the very last when he's looking at him mm-hmm. in the in the cell. I'm just an android. Yeah, and then it's almost like he's going. You know, that's even just saying that was kind of like sarcastic to get back at it, right. which is emotional. <laughs> Sarcasm is for sure. Yes, and it's um, moments later. Um, in that same episode where uh, Chief O'Brien is at the transporter controls and he's telling Commander Riker that um, there's a, a weapons discharge, an energy discharge mm-hmm. from something um, in mid in mid transport and they and they uh, deactivate the beam and uh, Riker's kind of questioning him once he gets and he back lied. to the Enterprise. And he's and he basically lied. lying. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's a good point. I'd forgotten about that. But yeah, so he's a real intriguing character to me. And uh, I liked his, especially when he tries for humor or he doesn't get humor. And people laugh at something that he says uh, and because it's funny, but he didn't even know he was being funny. It's just, yeah. And, you know, there was a lot of other uh, characters that made that series great. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I always watched for what... Data's role was in them. Well, it, let's. I guess we can keep on with the Data thing for for just a little bit. You know, it's in season four. I think it's like episode four. Actually, it's called Suddenly Human, and it's this um, this boy um, who was basically taken by um, uh, like a warrior race or or, or a, 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 an enemy race of the Federation, basically, and adopted based on their culture and there's like these repressed memories that this this guy had um his alien name is uh jono but or jono there we go and his real name is jeremiah rosa and he was the son of a captain and the grandson of an admiral with starfleet and you see him like you see captain picard and company that are trying to convince him that he's actually human and that he's not this alien race or whatever and part of that is taking him to 10-4, and there's a, a moment, it, going back to this humor thing that we're talking about, there's this moment where you have um, Wesley Crusher trying to teach him how to eat a banana split. And this guy, John, Jono, takes it, takes the, the spoon and just stabs it, 
and like there's like ice cream that goes all over the place and gets all over Wesley and everyone's laughing and Data doesn't get it. And then he gives this very calculated response. Oh, slapstick. Oh yeah, because he, 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 he accesses his database. Yeah. yeah I, I like that too. You know, you'll see him like look in one direction and move his eyes back and forth when he's accessing it. Mm-hmm. And he says, oh yeah, that's what that is. Yeah. <laughs> he's got to go look it up. <laughs> like having an instant Google in his brain. <laughs> Oh, Lordy. So, yeah, Data Data's a fantastic character, and, and you see uh, a lot of development. Uh, I mean, it's also in Season 4 in the uh, episode Brothers where we, we meet Lore, his evil twin brother, basically. Um, and they do this little switcheroo with this emotion chip that their father, air quotes, their creator, made for him. And you don't really see the payoff of that until the first next-gen movie, Generations. Have you... Did you ever watch those movies? I uh, yes, I have. Okay. So, what do you what do you think about the addition of the emotion chip uh, for data and I guess lore by extension? Uh, well, I mean, for the series, yeah, it was it was pretty pretty okay. It was cool. I mean, it was okay, but for the character, I, I didn't care too much about it because it it threw a variable in. The data was absolutely not used to. So, and then when Lore had it, it was an, he had he had emotions, but it seemed like the only emotions he had were the, the wrong ones, you mm-hmm. know, like evil. And I was always concerned that if Data got a hold of that, he wouldn't be Data anymore. Really, he he would have different choices, um, different kinds of thoughts that he had never had before, and. That's that's pretty dangerous to throw at somebody who's never had any emotions, and all of a sudden they have them uh, without the normal process of growing up and learning them. You know, mm-hmm. learning how to control them. He was just given them immediately. Boom! I have them, and I don't. I have now. I don't, and then I can. I don't have them, and then all of a sudden I do. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was a dangerous thing for Data, as it was proven with Lore. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was always. Every most every episode that Laura was in, he was in some getting doing something bad and getting someone in trouble and doing wrong, evil things. So if you if you've never had emotions and then they're just given to you in one second, you had, don't have them. The next second you do, it's it was pretty dangerous. I thought. I mean, of course, they always seem to work out, but from a base standpoint, yeah, I was not real pleased. With, or I was worried. I was always worried about him getting emotions. It reminds me of one episode where there, uh, it might have been in a movie, I can't remember which one. Data's got his emotion chip, right? And everybody, they're, they're, I can see this in my mind, but I don't remember what episode there. Picard and, and Worf and probably Geordi and, and, and Data, mm-hmm. they got their phasers pointed forward and they're, they're walking slowly through a ship looking for something. And Data makes a comment. I'm, I think what I'm feeling is fear or anxiety. Uh, it's very un, un, or very disturbing or unpleasant situation. You know, and you can see the fear in his eyes and his face. And, and uh, I think um, uh, Commander Riker says, well, why don't you just turn it off? So Data, like, cocks his head a little bit, and you hear a clicking noise, and he said, done, sir. <laughs> and then he can go on without any emotions. Yeah. And I think Jordy then says, boy, I wish I had something. I could. I wish I could do that. Or maybe it was the captain who said that. 
Yeah, that was in uh, the 1996 film Star Trek: First Contact. Yeah. Whenever they're like the the Borg have uh, started to assimilate the Enterprise E at this point, and that's right, that's right. They're no. going in to try and stop them and um, kind of just see what they're dealing with. So yeah, that was that was a fun little moment from uh, First Contact. But you see, you you know, to your point with like that's not going to be data anymore with the the emotion chip. Uh, you kind of see some of that disturbing stuff uh, with having the chip in um, in the, the first next-gen movie, uh, Star Trek Generations. And you kind of see him, like, losing it. Like, he uh, like he gets stuck on humor. He gets stuck on sadness. Uh, he gets stuck on, like, these certain emotions. And uh, he, he just wants to be deactivated until the chip or whatever can be uh, be fixed and uh, Picard kind of just gives him the rundown like no you're you're an officer on my ship I expect you to act like one and to serve um, and that's an order and that's when they're in um, astrometrics trying to figure out like where the or stellar cartography whatever it is trying to figure out where this nexus ribbon is going to to hit next if this one planet is destroyed or whatever so, I think Star Trek Generations doesn't get get enough credit um, as a film. It's they're all good. they're all good in their own way, and they all have problems in their own way. But there's it's still good Star Trek, as far as I'm concerned. So um, that's the one that Shatner's in, right? Yes, Shatner's in it with um, the the Next Generation crew. Yes, that's right. Because he Shatner's in some Xanadu place that. You go after you die, I guess. Yeah, he was That's stuck. What, he was stuck in the the ribbon. Mm-hmm. Um, had a what, home, had a, a dog, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's the one. I always I, I remember the movies. I don't always remember the names of them. Okay. <laughs> well, um, you were you were talking about like other cast members and and when we kind of went off on a, a little side quest there for a second, talking about data, um, but. What I guess, um, and maybe this might be like a little reiteration, but what was it about Next Gen that maybe kept you, like just kept you, like it, it held on to you, and you didn't let go of Star Trek after that? Well, let's 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 let me answer that by going back to the original. Okay. Um, there were some episodes in the original that were just really really bad, you know that. There was there was an episode like where they were trying to mimic the hippies. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. that one or not. That was like a season four episode. Re- I think. Really, really dumb in my 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 case, in my mind. And then now the one episode voted worst ever by the people themselves. Spock's was, brain. Yeah, Spock's brain. So, and then that one was dumb, but I. It was better than this '60s one. This, these hippies, you know, <laughs> doing their 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 poems and you know poetry and, and stuff like that. Um, but going to back to the then when Next Generation came along, they really didn't go that way. They didn't have that as much. Uh, you could tell in in the old in the the original series that they often addressed issues of cultural issues of the day. In mm-hmm. the '60s, right? Some of their episodes you were just like you could you could tell that's what they were going for. They were making a statement about issues. 
one of them that comes to mind is, and like it once again, I don't remember names of episodes, but it's where uh, I, I'm, the way I understand it, it's the very first time ever on television that a white person kissed a black person. When, oh yeah. When um, Shatner kissed Lieutenant Lahura. Uh, and that was a, a groundbreaking event in the mm-hmm. 60s, you know. Uh, so the next generation didn't really go there as much. And, of course, I'm always, a, uh, you know, a technology nerd. So the uh, next generation had the holodeck and it had uh, some of the special effects and the different technologies that weren't in the, uh, in the original series. So it was, it was easy to stay with them. It was easy to stay on, you know. There's a, an episode of the original series, and I always get this this episode name screwed up, and I always second-guess myself. But So no one hate-tweet me or anything like that. Um, I'm probably going to look it up afterwards. But it's an episode of, uh, like I said, the original series where there are these um, is this alien race, and they're constantly arguing and fighting with each other. And one person, they have like the split face, right? So they got one person, one has black on their um, like their left side, and the other one has white on the right side. And then for the other person, it's flipped. It's flipped where it's white on one side and black on the other, black on one side. Anyways, and I believe it's called um, "Let That Be Your May This Be Your Last Battlefield" or something like that. And uh, that's regarded as one of the better episodes of the original series, uh, among others. So. One thing that I've, I've mentioned on this podcast before is that there are when when, when sci-fi is done right, um, it, it's it's an opportunity for you to consider considering something that you might not have thought of at that from that specific of an angle, um, and can change or influence the way you think about something um, and getting out of like your. Um, you know your rigid way of thinking or feeling about something so you know kind of going back and forth i guess with with tos with the original series and the next generation do you think and this is purely opinion that's totally fine do you think one series did a better job over the other of like those kind of critiques in what they were presenting to the audience hmm good question I know the episode you're talking about in the original series, and that was a great episode because it really did attack basically racism. Mm-hmm. It was clear as a bell, but done very well in a Star Trek type setting, right? And there were several of those episodes in the um, original that were done very obviously in a good way, though where the next generation attacked some of those things. Because I do remember uh, an episode about drug abuse in the next generation, a couple of different episodes actually. One was where a planet, one planet provided a drug to another planet to cure a disease. But the, the disease was cured a long, long time ago, but people on the one planet were addicted to the drug now. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you remember that episode. And um, start, or, uh, the Enterprise came along, made some contact with these people who had a ship that shuttled the drug from the one planet to the other planet. And um, 
the ship was broken and they couldn't do it anymore. And, well, if you know Star Trek, you know this episode. I won't describe the whole thing, but that was a uh, uh, a good episode that dealt with drug abuse or drug dependency. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know if you're watching the the episode and you know you get you pick up on that. It's it's real easy to pick up. Um, so yeah, the the next generation did the same thing. Um, I don't think they did it as much as the, as the original. Uh, yeah, because the, yeah, the, the the next generation was was more of uh, I don't know high tech, fancier type special effects, uh, some time travel. Some, of course, the, the original had some time travel too, but uh, they did a lot of cooler things in the next generation tech, technology wise but I really when I think of it I, I would say that the old one really attacked those cultural things more and probably because there was a lot more volatile things going on in the 60s too mm-hmm. to, 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 to expose and, mm-hmm. and talk about for the 80s we were kind of just sailing along and the next generation didn't have to attack a lot of those things yeah, the there's there's a lot of those on the nose moments where it's like, don't do drugs, or type of thing, and, and uh, just use, say no. Just say no. Yeah, because like that episode was like a, a first season episode of Next Generation that you're that you're talking about when it comes to the drug dependency episode, like between the the races. Like one is supplying the quote unquote cure, but in reality, the cure is what's keeping them going. And like like you're saying, the alien race had. That was supplying it had created their own cure a long time ago so it was creating this power differential between the the two um, systems basically and uh, that was that was night that was late 1987 because that's when uh, the next generation premiered it premiered um, I believe it was uh, yeah it was like September ish of 1987 and um, right during uh, right during Reagan during Reagan's administration don't just say no yeah yeah so, um, and I don't know if that was in 87 when like, you know, Reagan and his wife was saying that because that, that might have been like an 85 or an 86 thing, but still like that message was pretty prevalent for the time um, that that episode was airing. And fun fact, I don't know if you, you noticed this or realized this, but um, the two guest stars that were on that episode were both in the Kirk era movies. So um, one of them was... Uh, uh, the actor that played uh, David Marcus, so she- uh, Captain Kirk's son, in um, Wrath of Khan and Search for Spock, and then the other guy, You're right. and the other guy that was his buddy that was tagging along with him, was like the um, was basically Khan's uh, number one. It was Khan's like main lieutenant in Wrath of Khan. He was like Khan would say um, fire, and this was the guy that's like I can't, and he's like slamming his fist down on the console. So if you go back and watch it. Uh, and I wish I had the name in front of me, but I don't. But those were two prior Trek alums that were on that particular episode, highlighted um, for for that season one episode. And you you see um, uh, Wesley talking to to Tasha, like, why would anyone want to do drugs? I was going to bring that one up. Yeah, <laughs> and I tell I tell I actually told my sons this as they were growing up. It's the same thing that you're that that uh, Tasha told him and that is at first it feels great and then you get taken in by it and hooked 
addicted and then you have to you don't take it to feel good anymore you have to take you have to take it to feel normal mm-hmm. and that's basically what she told Wesley which is the message you know that mm-hmm. that I would tell young people that mm-hmm. were thinking about it because that's really what it is at first it feels good but after a while it uh, you just have to take it to feel normal mm-hmm. you know you don't get the good anymore just you just have to survive and feel, try to feel normal. So now you're addicted. But uh, yeah, and Picard, the way he handled that episode by not fixing the ship mm-hmm. that was in in orbit, he he's done that a couple of different times in different episodes. And the one I'm thinking of is where this planet breeded or or trained these warriors to be killing machines. If they, uh, if you were aggressive towards them, mm-hmm. if you remember that episode or not, so, and they, what they did with these people after the war was over, they had all of these soldiers that were just bred to survive and 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 defend and kill when they were threatened. So they banished them to some far corner of the planet or some place, which was basically just a prison, uh, you know, and. The same thing happened there. These people that were imprisoned, these soldiers, wanted to become part of their society again. Yeah. They wanted to come back and join society. And it was a war that was going on between the so-called you know, civilized people and then these soldiers in their place somewhere else on the other side of the planet or whatever. And uh, so what happens that towards the end of that episode is the so-called civilized people mm-hmm. and their their hierarchy and their leadership and these soldiers are in the same room together and the soldiers are you know have their weapons mm-hmm. and the soldiers are, are begging them to come on fight us because they aren't natural killers but they will they kill when they're being attacked mm-hmm. so Picard says no don't 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 provoke them in any way yeah and as it turns out, uh, Picard leaves them in that situation right there. He's saying that something like, uh, uh, you're going to find out how to negotiate. You know, the, the civilized commander, whatever he was, says, uh, you can't leave us like this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Picard uh, says, well, you're going to find out, you know, how to negotiate and how mm-hmm. to make these, welcome these people back into your society. And then they beam off and... That's yeah. how the thing ends. Yeah. So he, he kind of does, leaves them in a predicament in a couple of different um, episodes, uh, you know, and we assume in our minds that it turns out good. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah, that's, and that's sometimes uh, an ultimatum is what it takes, I guess. Yeah. And that, that's, that's a fun episode too. I was watching that one not too terribly long ago. Um, been doing a, a rewatch of The Next Generation getting ready for Star Trek Picard that's going to, um, well, that has already aired by the time you're hearing this, actually. Uh, came out on um, Thursday, January 23rd. And uh, anyway, we'll be talking more about that, um, like with special like recap episodes uh, that are going to be dropping and stuff as that comes along. But, you know, back to, to your point with, with uh, that particular episode. So James Cromwell, who people would know probably from... Um, was it Revenge of the Nerds uh, from from Star Trek: First Contact? He actually played Zeph from Cochrane. 
Uh, he was in uh, 24 as Jack Bauer's dad, for anyone that watched 24. Uh, and he's done uh, many, many Star Trek appearances as various aliens uh, throughout not only Next Gen, but also uh, Deep Space Nine and uh, Voyager as well. Uh, but that's that's a fantastic episode, and I think that's, you, you know, uh, with with my line of work being being a counselor in real life, you know, seeing folks that um, that would interview for like disability benefits. We were talking about this briefly, uh, but like you'd I would see like veterans come in, and they'd be alleging disability for PTSD, and I think. That that episode was a maybe a critique of some kind on how we take care of our veterans once they're done um, with the war that they were in um, or the conflicts that they were in in the military and how they, they take care of them then but then they kind of just leave them alone once they discharge and go home exactly and, and um, I thought that was a great episode when it, at least from my perspective that's kind of how I interpret it like thinking about you know the care of our Service men and women. Oh, absolutely! Even some of the dialogues, uh, the soldier, one of the soldiers, the lead soldier that leads them around, is, mm-hmm. says exactly that. You know, you, you use us for your purposes, and then you toss us aside, basically. Yeah. And you know that is a direct uh, correlation to the complaints that you know veterans often have. Yeah. So, um, so I guess this is like a. Uh, uh, the biggest debate question, okay? So, Kirk or Picard? Oh, you would, would you? <laughs> <laughs> they're they're different. They're they're so different. You can't. You, you you can hardly you can hardly do that. I mean, Kirk. I'll I'll say this. This is off a little bit off topic, but it's kind of not. In in the original series, you can edit this out if you want. But <laughs> in the original series, series, Kirk is always one who gets a girl. Yeah, you know, uh, and you just go ahead and assume what happens. In the uh, Next Generation, Picard never touches a woman; it's always Riker. Mm-hmm. You know, so depends on your point of view. If you like, um, if you're okay with a more of a womanizing type of uh, uh, captain, then it'd be Kirk. But they both do some really awesome things on these shows, you know, to get out of these different predicaments and stuff. Uh, you know, I partic- particularly like the Corbomite device. That was a good one. Mm. Just a bluff. Gets rid of these aliens trying to... It's clearly going to obliterate them, but, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but then you've got Picard, who... Who does the same thing with the uh, what do they call the ones who are real strict to the contracts and stuff to the letter of the law? Yes, and they they want to eradicate the infestation they call it, but mm-hmm. it's it's actually a colony of humans, and they won't listen to uh, Picard talk because the, there's some kind of a language barrier there that they're just boom boom boom. They want to uh, go by the letter of the contract, and then Picard pulls the contract out on them and says, yeah, we want the mediation by the whoever they are that come out of a hibernation in six months, you know, uses the contract against them. So mm-hmm. they both Picard and, and Shatner do some just amazing things. I I, I don't know that I can pick one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
you know, Shatner for some of the stuff he did with what he had in the 60s, uh, you know, technology-wise, mm-hmm. uh, is, yeah. And then with the, uh, the extra technology, the stuff that Picard did, it's just, it's, I can't pick one. Okay. I'm sorry. It's okay. So, I mean, there's no real, like, I guess no real best in terms of, like, Captain. I mean, it's it's just, you know, typically it's going to be the one that you've seen first. I know, like, um, for me it was, it was certainly Picard, and um, I was not too interested in watching the original series. Uh, uh, I've talked about this on this podcast before, but, like, I really just started getting into, into Star Trek when I was in college, and I would watch it every day on TV, like, after, after classes and stuff like that. And it wasn't until... Gosh, I don't even remember when uh, my wife and I, Michelle, we were married for a couple months and we started watching, like she saw me watching a documentary on Star Trek and she's like, I didn't know people were this inspired by Star Trek. And that inspired her to want to watch all of Star Trek. So um, every day that we, that I got home from work or she got home from class or work or whatever, we would fire up like a Netflix or a Hulu or something and we would watch the original series. We went from original series to uh, Next Generation, and then we watched um, the the original cast movies, and the and then the Next Generation movies, and um, that was pretty much it. So, uh, I mean, my captain is, is definitely Picard for me. That's it's mm-hmm. Picard. Um, but I mean, that's like the debate that's going to go on forever: is is Picard or Kirk? Um, as long as Star Trek is around, or people know of Star Trek at least. Now, kind of beyond Kirk and Picard, there were other shows uh, that, that followed the next generation. So it was um, middle to end of, uh, well, at least I'm pretty sure it was, of the next generation um, that we had the introduction of Deep Space Nine. Did you ever get into Deep Space Nine no, or Voyager or anything like that? Deep Space Nine did not interest me at all because there was very little space travel. It was just a space station, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I did. I do like Voyager. Uh, and, you know, Captain Janeway shows some of this, well, the same traits as other uh, captains that we know, the other two captains, basically. Um, Janeway has a unique situation because she gets more flack from her crew, I think, than... Uh, the other two uh, series because they're so far from home they'll never get back basically unless they find some wormhole that's going to take them but if they do then the show's over <laughs> you know right. so so she gets into she ends up getting into a lot of trouble uh, in on her ship with people that make like Chakotay and her buttheads all the time and she listens to him for the most part, but she she can be pretty stubborn, and, and so can he, basically. Uh, so you know, I, I like Deep Space Nine. Um, that when I think of Deep Space Nine, that also brings me to another person that I just adore on uh, on Next Generation, and that's Barkley, genius Reginald Barkley. Okay, he's the one that is is. Uh, uh, orchestrates the way to communicate with Voyager from Earth mm-hmm. through some kind of a hyper subspace transmission or whatever. They, they can transmit like 30 seconds or something every few weeks or I don't know how it works. But uh, yeah, and Barclay's episode with um, 
uh, where he uh, gets influenced by some entity and ends up creating his own type of computer in the holodeck and they travel some great distance to meet some other uh, race mm-hmm. this other race doesn't travel it brings people to them you know you probably remember that episode but anyway i'm off on a tangent here it's okay. but yeah keep it up because barkley's from next generation for the most part and what's cool about him in next generation is that he's so kind of timid and, and fumbly he's, he's unsure of himself and he's always struggling with his own self-worth and his own knowledge when basically he's a genius that mm-hmm. needs to be uh, you know opened up and you know when I when I think about uh, uh, Voyager and when they finally are able to communicate with Earth it's all because of Barclay but yeah Voyagers I, I like Voyager I really do I watch it a lot uh, you got uh, Tim Russell, is it? Uh, Tuvok. T- uh, Tim Russ. Russ. Tim yep. Russ. Yeah. Tuvok, who is the Spock of that ship, I would suppose. Um, I mean, he's quite literally a black Vulcan. Yeah, yeah. He is yeah. a Vulcan. Yeah. And he's, he passes well for one, you know. Seems like they all have the same haircut, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And... Uh, there, uh, it, it, I, I didn't, I don't remember the beginnings of Voyager, but from watching it um, throughout, you can you can fix fix me on this. Uh, it it appears that the Chakotay and the, in, the engineer uh, Torres, Belana yeah, Torres, they met up somewhere because they're like part of some other group of some of the. Uh, yeah, they were they were um, part of a terrorist organization called right. the Maquis. The Maquis, yep. But they, uh, and I don't know how they came together, uh, but they seem to work well together. And they they do butt heads once in a while. I mean, Chakotay's got the uh, his uh, appears to be a type of you know American Indian religion that he he relies on and and actually works well for the series. Um. And then there's uh, Seven of Nine, who fits okay into it, but I, I wish she would accept her humanity more than she do- they allow her to, you know, more than she does. She just yeah. doesn't want to let go of the Borg, a portion and, of her. So, um, speaking of, of uh, Jerry Ryan's uh, Seven of Nine, uh, or Annika Hansen, uh, whatever you want to call her, so she's... Um, we're not 100% sure how many episodes she's going to be in, but Star Trek Picard, uh, it's a 10-episode run on CBS All Access, which we know is going to be um, the continuation of uh, Jean-Luc Picard's life, and it's taking place um, about 20 years with, um, since the um, events of Star Trek Nemesis, which was the last next-gen movie, uh, and we're, which has in real life has been... Um, uh, about 18 years because it came out in 2002. Uh, so we we know that Jerry Ryan's going to be in it and that she appears to be a much more laid-back seven. So there's been these 20 intervening years to where um, in what some interviews have have talked about uh, with, with her is that you know what if uh, what if seven had to pretend or to appear or sound more human to blend in so that's kind of where we're at 
uh, without having much information, without actually seeing these episodes like fully play out with uh, with seven of nine, you know, twenty years later, basically that was kind of a rabbit trail. But yeah, she never really wanted to to fit in. Uh, it didn't seem like in Voyager. It's the, like she was perfectly satisfied to be a loner and and do her own thing. And the only the only thing like that was kind of getting a little weird at times because it just seemed like an odd pairing was the romance that was kind of developing between her and Chakotay pretty much in like the last season, maybe season and a half of Star Trek Voyager. Um, and, and we don't we, we see in a trailer for Star Trek Picard that she's cradling someone. So I don't know if it's like Chakotay, if it's Icheb, which was one of the uh, Borg children that were um, were rescued mm-hmm. uh, towards the end of, of the run. Because she came on um, in the two-parter, Scorpion Part 1 and 2, which was um, Season 3 finale, Season 4 premiere. Uh, and then, so we got, you know, three full seasons with her and her development. So did... Did you like that they were bringing the Borg uh, more into the spotlight with with Star Trek Voyager, or do you wish they would have kind of left that alone and kept that like with Next Gen? Yeah, they. Uh, I was okay with it. I didn't like the the Borg kids that they got. You know that they were always fighting at the, amongst themselves. Okay. Uh, it didn't care for that as much. It, it kind of took away from the original mission of Voyager. I thought. Uh, I mean, they, I know they had to keep it fresh you know they couldn't just have the same thing every week or every every show hey we're trying to get home we're trying to get home and then you know kind of beat that to death so um, i i understand that they had to mix it up a bit Mm -hmm. and uh, what they did with them was okay i mean they had jerry ryan like training them and helping them come come into their humanity Uh, so i was okay with it let's just put it that way okay Okay. So uh, there was uh, something I was going to mention uh, when we were kind of talking about like what sci-fi can do with critiquing current events. So we talked about the uh, like some TOS stuff. We talked a little bit about some next gen stuff. And I know that you were saying that you you had a hard time watching. You didn't really care too much for Deep Space Nine. I felt that way for a very long time. And um, I, I recently watched the entire series, uh, and the first, I think, maybe two and a half seasons of Deep Space Nine, it can be kind of tough. At least that, that was my, my experience. Like It wasn't that entertaining, but once I got to about the midpoint of season three, I mean, I was hooked. And Deep Space Nine is now like in my top three uh, of the Star Trek series. Um, and that includes Star Trek Enterprise, which um, had uh, Captain Quantum himself, um, Scott Bakula's Captain uh, Jonathan Archer. But there's an episode, and it's it's touted as the uh, one of the greatest, if not the most beloved, episodes of Deep Space Nine, and it's called Far Beyond the Stars. And it's uh, Avery Brooks' Captain uh, Benjamin Sisko, who is he's experiencing something where he's him and the the principal cast and some of the guest um, stars portray human um, 
like 1950s humans on Earth, and um, they're like sci-fi writers, and he comes up with this idea of a black captain, and it's it's very much a critique on on racism and class and things like that. And then there's another episode called uh, Sanctuary, which basically was kind of um, a critique on homelessness and um, oh gosh, what was some other stuff like homelessness, uh, maybe a little bit of of drug use and violence um, that we kind of saw more and more in like the late 80s and early 90s. And of course in Star Trek Voyager we have the Kazon who uh, was the uh, initial big bad of of Voyager. That was um, the inspiration. Their race was a critique on um, like LA street gangs basically. So uh, I'd encourage you and all the listeners that if if you're struggling with Deep Space Nine, if you can just get past like the, about the middle part of, of Deep Space Nine, I think it'll really take off for you. Because especially like with season four, that's where Worf actually joins the cast. Oh, okay. It's called. It's a two or three part episode called "The Way of the Warrior." I always liked Worf, yeah. But yeah, Deep. I, I guess I didn't have the stick to it intuitiveness to get through the you know the, to the middle, the yeah, sec- or the second half. I did watch it. You know, I did watch it, but just didn't have the appeal I think mainly for me at least because you were on his on this star base basically and whatever happened there was what was happening you weren't traveling hardly mm-hmm. anywhere at least the ones that I've watched that's it was all right there on the base everything yeah and that and that was the thing like um, I think Gene Roddenberry when he had pitched Star Trek he had called it wagon train to the stars because I think there was a show back in the day called wagon train yeah it's a and, western yeah it was a western and in um, he he had written westerns he had, or western stories and western shows or written for him. He had written for like police shows and other procedural shows um, that might have been going on pre original series. So that was that was how he kind of sold it or tried selling it to studios. And um, Next Generation was more of a diplomacy you know, a Hilton hotel in space, you know, type of thing. Um, lots of diplomacy. But when, when uh, Deep Space Nine came around, there were a couple different ideas about what to do because, like, we don't need, I think it was like a Gene Ron, no, it was a Rick Berman because Gene Ronberry had, had died by that point. Uh, they were like, well, we already have one ship zipping around the cosmos. We don't need another one. So they kind of sold it as, uh, like, the rifleman where the bad guys come to them uh, rather than, you know, going you going to the bad guys. And, you know, Deep Space Nine was on its own basically for um, like a year and a half, two years thereabouts before Voyager came around. It's like, well, we can't have two space stations and next generation's off the air, so let's get another uh, ship in space uh, boldly going where no one's gone before. This time they're in the Delta Quadrant, you know, on their own, basically. Right. So... Um, that was kind of the idea, and, and Deep Space Nine gets like a bad rap, I think, um, because it's, it wasn't next gen. Um, there wasn't a ship. I mean, they, they did add a ship later on, the USS Defiant, um, because people were wanting like a ship. So anyway, I don't even know what the point of me saying all that was, but regardless, uh, it's it's worth checking out. I think. Yeah, I have to give it a look. I yeah, maybe I'll start in the middle. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, well. So, we've been talking about quite a few different things today uh, with um, 
you know, uh, Star Trek and... Uh, <clears throat> and the perspective of an old guy. Yeah. <laughs> a fantastic uh, admiral. Now, I, I mentioned in one of the last episodes about, and I talked to you about this the other day too, that whenever you and I would be um, around each other, like at family gatherings um, and stuff like that, or just you know, randomly messaging each other when, whenever that would happen, of course, um, that you would try and do some um, some Temerian language with me, the Darmok language from uh, season five of the Next Generation. So what I want to do is I want to quiz you on something real quick. Oh my god! Okay, so I, I'm going to just pick just a few phrases from the Temerian language, and I want to see if you you know what they mean. I haven't done this in a while, but let's <laughs> give it a shot. <laughs> I'm going to end end the podcast by embarrassing me. Nah. (laughs) Okay. So so this stuff comes from, from, like I said, season five of The Next Generation. And the guy that plays um, this alien that is on the planet with Captain Picard is the same guy that played Captain Terrell in The Wrath of Khan um, on the USS Reliant. So um, just to make that connection. So Shaka, When the Walls Fell. Yeah, that was one of the first things that he tried, that, you know, that he was trying to get across to them. And it, to me, it basically is like failure. Yes, we, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, failure. Okay. Um, let's see. Temba, his arms wide open. Uh, that had to do with giving a gift. Yes, signifying a gift. Good job. All right. I'm doing all right so far. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me see. Okay, let me see. Darmok on the ocean. Uh, well, that was when he was by himself. And the next one would be when they came together. So, yeah. When they were together on the ocean, that's another phrase. Yes. What, that was when they had success. And, mm-hmm. But Darmok on the ocean, he was alone. Loneliness, isolation. Very yeah. good. Yeah. All right. You got three out of three. I'm not going <laughs> to do any more. These, yeah, there's, um, uh, and the ones that you were talking about. So um, Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. That's, that's where co- they met on the island. Cooperation. Cooperation. Okay, we'll okay. go with that. I, 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 I. Uh, Darmok and Jalad on the ocean. It means uh, new friendship and understanding gain through a shared challenge. So uh, you can find all this stuff um, on online. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at at this right now um, on the Memory Alpha uh, wiki. So um, check it out, and also definitely check out the uh, the episode. Uh, like I said, season five um, episode. I think it's like two um, of of the next generation. Uh, the first episode, I think, of, of season five is the part two of, uh, what is that, Redemption, which was um, started um, last, last episode of season four, and it involves Worf and a Klingon civil war or something like that. So um, anyway, well, we are, we're going to probably start wrapping this up here pretty soon. So I um, just want to say thank you, Uncle Don, for for taking the time to record with me while you've uh, you've been around, um, and 
anyways, any final thoughts or ideas or, or comments that you want to share before we uh, sign off for the day? Well, nothing specific, but it's been a real pleasure. Um, I always like talking about Star Trek, and especially with you. So Thanks, bud. Yeah. We'll keep it up. We'll do it again. We'll have to, yeah. We'll have to get you on like a Skype call or a Zoom call or a something so we can record again if you ever want to do this. I'd love to have you back at Lone Star Station or zipping around on the USS Vigilant um, sometime. So, um, anyways, uh, that's it for today. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Uncle Don, once again. And um, make sure that you uh, like, follow, and subscribe to uh, to our pages, to the socials, to this podcast in general. And you know there there are multiple ways that you can support this show. Okay, so you know by by listening, that's that's wonderful. That that is fantastic. We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't um, have the this fantastic show and and the following that we do without each and every one of you. So I want you to know that you are so highly valued uh, by by me and and uh, Eric and and everyone that that has ever helped me with this podcast and uh, with with these are the voyages. So very very valued. So thank you, thank you, thank you for. For continuously listening. So, one way that, that other people can be aware of this show and even find it, like on Podbean, for example, or Apple iTunes, is by subscribing to it, kind of like we were talking about earlier, and leaving a leaving a comment, leaving a review, uh, even if it's like something funny or something serious, uh, anything like that. Just each episode that you do that. Uh, really helps the show and helps um, other people be able to find it. And um, I'm really proud of, of what we're doing. So if you can do that, that'd be wonderful. So in fact, I, I was kind of joking about this last time and I got a little chuckle out of Eric with it, but uh, you know, grab, grab your friend's phone and, you know, tell, show them, you know, about, about this podcast. If you like it, maybe they'll like it too. Um, if not, just grab their phone anyways and subscribe it to subscribe them to it and, uh, and see where it goes. So uh, there's that. Um, if you want to, you know, go uh, maybe a step further with it and you want to financially support the show, we have different tiers on Patreon where you can support the show and get connected that way and help us out. So uh, you can do that at patreon.com slash these are the voyages. And like I said, there's different tiers, there are different rewards and um, every single dime that um, goes into that goes into making this show being better and uh, uh, creating new ideas and being able to, you know, take care of the, the server space for this. So uh, anyway, uh, there's that. Now, we'd love for you to get in contact with us, but we'd also, we'd also love to hear your story. We'd love to hear your reactions to the episodes, to how you kind of came into Star Trek. So we'd love to hear your Trek story. We'd love to hear your Trek tale, whatever you want to call it. Um, kind of like what um, what Admiral George was talking about in this episode towards the beginning. We'd love to hear something like that and be able to feature it in our hailing frequency section, which will typically be in the last portion of the show. You heard that last time with Best of Picard, hearing some of our, our uh, members and and some of our fans and followers kind of talking about their reaction to Patrick Stewart joining and coming back as Picard. So you can do that. Uh, you can get in contact with us and tell us about that or just pretty much anything, any thoughts or how the show may or may not be impacting you. Uh, you can do that. Just 
remember to open up hailing frequencies. You can, um, if you want to uh, get in touch with us, you can send it to uh, coordinates trtvpod at gmail.com. Uh, you can also send us a voice only transmission uh, by entering in coordinates 817 752 4757. Remember, there is a three minute time limit, and your comments may be used on a future episode of These Are the Voyages. Uh, you can also use a subspace communication buoy uh, if you want to send in a long range communication, such as uh, a mail or package or anything like that. And you can do that by entering in these specific coordinates to the Lone Star Station, which are P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas, A-Z-L-E, 76098. Remember, we are on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at TRTVPod. And uh, if you find our Facebook page, then you've also found the group. You can just hit that, you know, join group or go to group button, and there you are. Just request it, and there you go. Um, thank you guys so much as always. Um, I can't thank you guys enough for, for listening and being faithful listeners and, um, being as kind and as, as amazing as you all are, uh, by listening to the show. Now, uh, as always, as we end this show, may you boldly go and make it so.